Yorkshire Hills, shawty low. They know, they know he is. That means we're going to talk to my man over there in Memphis, Tennessee. It's my man, J.C. Smith, the king of karaoke at Clicks Memphis. What's good, my brother? But what's going on, boss? Becca, how, how you doing, bro? Man, can't complain, bro. Great playoff weekend and great NBA fights we're going to discuss here shortly. I'm loving how the NBA is coming to the WWE right in our face. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> you know, becoming a league of fake tough guys. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess after Young and the rest to come on, you know, daytime soap operas, then you watch the NBA, man, because it's his own uh, daily soap opera now with uh, with Chris Paul leading a, <laughs> leading a charge in the Clippers locker room and Aaron O'Flalo throwing wild punches that didn't, didn't even connect. So, you know, it's crazy right now in the league, man. But it, it's becoming must-see TV, not because it's the action on the court. It's just all melodrama that's been going on across the league uh, so far in the last few years. Let's, let's set this up, guys. The Clippers and the Rockets, MLK Day, all days now. MLK Day, who was non-violent, a great man. Now, I must say, MLK Day, I'm, I'm never going to the Lorraine Motel. I, I, don't, have to, I don't want to take a take game take a L either. I'm just being free. I don't want to go there. I'm scared to go there. I don't want to be nowhere near that. But y'all who go, oh, I was boss man scared. He wants to take a take L. I'm going to be with But on MLK Day, you're going to have a all-out Raw almost go down after Austin Rivers, who should not be talking junk. His daddy got him his money, JC and John. We know that. And Patrick Beverly, we know he's he, he really a guy. Trevor Reza wasn't hearing it from no dude in Austin Rivers. And then Blake Griffin gonna elbow Mike D'Antoni, the coach. And then you got CP3 getting in Blake about that and calling him a female dog and saying, F you multiple times. And then, after the game, because the CP3 knows the secret back way to pass way to the clip locker room from the big locker room in Staples, they have Clint Capella, a guy from Switzerland, who's neutral, knocking the front door, uh, Trevor Ariza, James Harden, Chris Paul, Jerry Griffin, y'all getting the back door. So I'll get the offerings and maybe Blake Griffin. And the LAPD was called so that nothing would escalate the bubble. Now, if this isn't a WWE soap opera or a script or too real to be too real to be true, I don't know what it is, JC and John. There's some crazy stuff, but they had to make the compelling knock on the front door to get them distracted. They come in the back door and get them. Like for real. But it's 13 dudes versus four dudes. Y'all won't go win, y'all won't go win. So good plan on the surface, but not in theory and execution though. <laughs> it's hilarious, man, when you think about it. And, uh, a couple points that you mentioned there, you know, as far as Chris Paul, you know, knowing an underground tunnel, <laughs> the underground underground railroad to get to the uh, the triple <laughs> road, and then also Capella uh, being from Switzerland, no pun intended, but isn't Switzerland like a, a neutral, neutral uh, country anyway? Neutral, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like. Yeah, like like that's a, like a sovereign country where they're neutral. They don't get in any wars or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's crazy that you had he be the guy, you know, to, to go over there and you know, knock on the uh, locker room with it, like everything's all good. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. And like I said, you know, it, and I really think it's all started, you know, as far as the league kind of going towards soap opera, melodrama, uh, 
story. So each and every night, I think it's kind of really started. So you can point to LeBron and everything, you know, going back to Cleveland or whatever. But like this level of, of drama that's going on, I think you have to go back to KD and Russ. I think those guys kind of really, really kicked it off to where, you know, we're tuning in more so. You know, we want to see what's going on on the court, but, you know, behind the scenes, it's becoming, you know, way more interesting now. See, I wanted to I wanted to break it down from two different levels, okay? The first level is being, I think this, uh, the fighting is not necessarily good for the league, but the, the overall premise of kind of having these backstories, you know, guys don't like this guy and this guy has this backstory, so on and so forth, is good from an entertainment perspective. It keeps fans interested. It makes for good chatter for shows like ourselves, nationals, you know, all of the places on TV, radio, internet. It makes for good pub- publicity. Um, as long as it doesn't get out of hand, right? So as long as these things are kind of playing off and it's it's harmless, no harm, no foul, it, it makes for good newspaper, radio, television fodder for us to talk about. I think it's good for the league in that regard. Now, with the other the other way I wanted to break it down and ask JC is, and you too, boss, man, it, it seems like, and JC, you alluded to this earlier by saying some of these guys are just fake tough guys. Back in the day, you had guys like, like Charles Oakley, right? Who would go. Mm-hmm. Who would go. Bill Lambeer who would clothesline you Gary like, Coleman I mean you had dudes out there this was no fake tough guy league like the, the league was a man's league like if you went to the right. bank you probably were going to end up on on your back and it wasn't this right. you know ticky tack foul where I, I make a swipe at you going down the lane and I get called for contact and the, you know it's an and one situation like if you were going to get an and one in the in the old league you were gonna pay for that and one like you they would foul you so hard that you probably couldn't shoot the free throw that was their goal like stated goal hey i want to hit i'm gonna hack you so hard you're gonna be feeling it when you shoot that free throw so that was kind of the that's a difference from then to now and i wanted to get both your takes on that because we all grew up in that in that age uh, of watching the games i mean that the knicks celtics used to get into it lakers celtics used to get into it the Pistons used to get into it. Basically, anybody they played. Rodman was a, a punk, but he would throw. He would throw. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, as far as, uh, like, uh, today's uh, players, nothing's going to get out of hand because these guys, they don't want to fight. And even you saw with Aaron Aflalo. <laughs> even though he threw that wild punch, he had his head down. He was not, he was really not aiming, not trying to hit the guy. He right. wanted to act tough, look tough, and throw a punch. Like, you know, nobody's squaring like, up, right? Like, yeah, nobody's nobody, squaring up. Nobody wants that smoke. <laughs> As right. kids say, you know, today, nobody really wants that, but they want to act tough and look tough and create these little, you know, little soap operas, melodramas. Like you said, as far as back in the day, oh, that was that was my favorite era, you know, in the 90s, man. Seeing the bad boys, seeing those Knicks teams of the early '90s, like those guys, you know, you you, you had problems with those guys. If, if they didn't like you, you said something, you did something on the court. They no, they were going to see you either on the court or after the game, and it was going to be a problem. These guys now, okay, they, they mad at each other for about what, you know, two seconds, and then after the game, you know, a couple of days later, they're cool again. Like you know, it's, it's, that's what it's all about now. You got to look the part. You don't have to act the part anymore. Well, and, and Jr. I just wanted to throw this to you. Like, <clears throat> you know uh, Charles Oakley. Um, Oakley's from my neck of the woods, right? He's Cleveland dude. Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland dude. Like, you could just look at that dude and, and the, the scowl that he had on his face when he played the game 
there ain't no player in the league today that would ever dream of stepping up to that dude on the court if he whatever if he fouled hard or, or said something to him or looked at him sideways they would cower and go in the corner and hide behind coach or something because it's just such a huge disparity in the level of um, intensity and I guess and I don't know this is a spin-off JR but do you think part of it comes from now that a lot of these kids are coming up instead of coming up through the the asphalt courts the playgrounds they're coming up through AAU and you know those types of scenarios so it's more maybe more of a structured um, path to the league yeah, it, it used to not be like that it used to not be like that like yeah. I mean the, it used to be like you play it was it was obviously you played high school ball college ball whatever but you learned how to play on the playground that's where you learned how to play now it ain't like that I don't think no nah, it's not they, they play in the big leagues they play in nice little controlled environments now where they they're guaranteed playing time. I thought, well, that's what, this is another story of the day. That's why a lot of guys act like Prima Donald. They're guaranteed playing time. The coaches coddle them. They play with their boys. And they don't want to play, play non-street ball. On, 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 unorganized ball, pretty much. I know. That's why the mustard teeth children, the balls, <laughs> won't be any good. It's impossible. Because... Well, I, I also wanted to ask real quick, JC. Like, can you imagine, both of you guys, can you imagine playing a, a pickup game somewhere in New York on a playground and having Charles Oakley be on the other side of you, like on the other team? Like, for real, dude. Like, no, man, I'm out. I'm shooting jump out. That's right, man. I ain't driving the Yo. paint. No way. Yo, Charles Oakley hasn't played in what, uh, what, 15, going on 20 years now? Yeah. He's still scary. Like, he is a yeah. scary looking dude, man. Yeah. He is a scary looking you know, dude. I mean, he bought me up them security guards at MSG. You know, he, you know he'll still go. Exactly. Just ask him, right. Dude, I'm pretty you know, sure that dude was born with a beard. Yeah, I've been scared of saying anything to him. Like, dude, it just looks like, you know, he's a badass, man. And I heard stories, you know, outside the court of the things that he, he's done. So, he's not, he's not a guy to mess with. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I know, I know the neighborhood where my man grew up. I know it well. And the stories you heard, I'm going to say are probably 95 to 99 percent true <laughs> 99 uh, true you better believe it now guys I'm going to finish up a story last week's story was crazy with the with the, with the OB, OB doctor and, and, and the pastor and that was crazy but this week is still in church but it's not what we think it is oh a Florida man was arrested after spraying the whole church game like bullets after quote a man let release some gas during the game of Twister and try to get a cop feel on his woman during the game of Twister <laughs> he came back in the church and sprayed them all with bullets because of it shot the game right up at church JC whatever happened to bingo night bro I know right now it's like Twister story, Twister man. night like Jesus like there, there's more layers to these stories you know, I don't know what's going on with the ball court in 2018, man. <laughs> my man, my man got so offended by some gas and, and somebody, you know, listen, I get it. You don't want to throw some hands if somebody touches on your girl or your wife, but he came back with a chopper and stuff blowing it up, dude. Like, my man, just tone it down a little bit, man. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, where, where, where did this happen? What is this? Florida at church game night. Of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the home of all the great Boston Airport stories. You're right. <laughs> and we got a bonus for you. Flo-
Florida man caused a wreck on I-95 after, quote, frozen iguanas came back to life that he got put in his car. What happened was, guys, that, you know, in Florida, the iguanas, when it gets on top of the church temperature, they freeze. They just shut down body-wise. They're not dead. They look, they, look, they look dead, but they ain't dead. But he put them in his frozen iguanas to cook on the grill. And <laughs> the car warmed up, and they came to life, and he caused the wreck all the time to come pawed around, and he caused the wreck on I-95 in Miami. <laughs> so he was trying to make them iguana burgers? Yeah. <laughs> Wow! Oh man. Jesus! I don't. I, I don't yeah, even. I know, that, yeah. That's crazy, man. <laughs> I'm like, that if you, how many did he have in there? I, I get the sense that he had like a couple dozen in there. Thirty-seven. Like, Thirty-seven of them, man. That's a, you don't want a pack of anything in, in inside of the cab of a vehicle, okay? Whether they're frozen or not, you don't want a, you don't want a whole herd right. of iguana coming back to life on you. That ain't good. Yeah, he called the wreck, and I don't know, shut down. Get this nine hours. Damn. Because my man caused that much of a wreck and had iguanas everywhere. But get this, there was also Florida men arrested for trying to steal the iguanas that came out of the man's car. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, that, you know. <laughs> That's just standard operating procedure in Florida. Yeah. So can't pass up free iguana. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. So, Jay Z, if you saw a iguana in Memphis, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna pick it up, bro. You let it, let it, let it, let it ride. Oh, uh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do lizard uh, iguanas. <laughs> <laughs> Not that stuff up here, man. I feel you. Well, bro, what, hey, what you got going this week at Clicks, man? You got anything special going on? Is there any things you want to throw out there for the people? Listen over there in Memphis. Absolutely, man. You know, number one party spot in the city. Number one karaoke crew, Three Kings, man. We do it each and every Saturday at Clicks. We have karaoke idols, kind of like American Idol, each and every uh, Saturday night, man. We pick a grand prize winner. And, you know, we shower them with praise and gifts and money and all that good stuff, man. But it's a good time, man. Come on out each and every Saturday night. Clicks, billiards, and all that good stuff, man. No doubt. That's my man. It's been three-man weave. J.C. Smith, hey, bro, do it again next week. Talk to you, man. You be good, bro. All right, now. All right, folks. J.C. Smith is the boss, man. So three-man weave. We out. Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focusing on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathletics.com. 
www.academicsandathletics.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Life is good, boss, man. It's a little cold, it's a little snowy, but life is good. I hear that, Coach. Your team's doing good right now, Coach. Five and one, and, and, and you know, in five play right now, come off a big one against Monmouth on Sunday, Coach. Uh, your second half was really, really good, that game right there for you guys. So tell me, Coach, what were the key factors for your, your guys' comeback, Charlie the house having coming out with that five second half and beating Monmouth by 15 points? Well, you know what? We got down 13 in the first half, and Mama came in and played so, so hard. And I think it took our guys, you know, they understand what how hard you have to play. They, they're two-time regular season uh, defending champion, and they came in playing like they understood it. And uh, I think it took, us, it took us for a loop at first. And once we kind of got, okay, well, whoa, we got we to gotta come out and play a little harder, we got ourselves back in the game. So after being down 13, we were down two at halftime. But I think we had an understanding of just how much intensity we were going to have to play with. And we were able to turn it up defensively a little bit. And then we were able to get some shots. We were getting some shots uh, in, the, in the first half. But we weren't playing hard enough to get enough of them. And once we started playing a little bit harder um, defensively, then we started getting better shots. So, Coach, as you look at your preparation for this week's games with uh, Manhattan and Iona, are you and the staff going to be stressing uh, finishing games as a big topic of conversation and kind of putting the pedal to the metal to, to finish teams off down the stretch? Absolutely, and we've been on about that all year. Um, you know, now we're going on the road. So uh, the challenge is always bigger on the road because you have to control the game when you can. Uh, and not let the crowd get into it and not let, you know, momentum shifts go against you. Uh, and, you and the home team really feels like they're out of the game as evidenced by uh, by our situation uh, on Sunday. So um, what what has happened with our team is that we've had spurts where we were really good in possessing the basketball. And so we've had, you know, a game where we had five turnovers the whole game. We had a game where we had only three turnovers, which is a school record. 
but we lost the game. We only had three turnovers because we didn't rebound the ball well. Over the weekend, uh, these last two, and especially last one against Mama, we rebounded it well, but we turned it over too many times. We are going to need to do both of those. Um, and you know, we want to say the next step, those are things that we're going to have to learn to do consistently. We're a very young team. You know, we have to learn these things as quickly as we can. Get there, right? I, I tell you, I always got to value that ball. Like I said, you say whether it be passing the ball, defending the ball, always about the ball. I, I mean, like you said, coach, you got to always be about the ball and your guys. Are, I think they'll learn that real, real soon. <laughs> you know, coach, my real coach there. Now, let me ask you this now about your senior year. You got Jermaine came through big for you, Isaiah did, and Young Molson did. So if these three guys are clicking on a given night like they were against Monmouth, you feel how your, your team can pretty much compete with anybody in the country if those guys are on? Yeah, you know what? They have played very well for us. Um, we've had some guys do things. Uh, we've had a couple guys that play, have played well. Our challenge is to get everybody kind of clicking. Uh, we want to be greedy about it. You know, we've had you know, guys uh, that, you know, scored 20 points or more. We've had probably four or five different guys do that. Um, but we, our challenge is we want to get everybody playing well. We want to get, you know, starters, guys coming off the bench. And really – when we started to play better, it was because we had guys come up. And I was telling guys, listen, be ready. Be ready because you don't know when the opportunity is coming. And when it does, you won't get three or four minutes to get warmed up. You, you just have to, to be ready. Not get ready, but be ready. Got that right, Coach. And, Coach, and for us being ready, Coach, how do you get your guys who be ready for us, their mindset? Are things you're talking to them in one-on-ones? Or are you, are you the coach working down what, what you mean? by that? you have a young team. So how do you understand the concept of being ready always or being here right now? At any point, I, I, I can come to you. The biggest thing is me, I try to challenge them in practice. I try to stay on them and confront them with challenges in practice because those are where you form your habits. What happens with sometimes with young guys that aren't playing a lot of minutes, Look, they're on scholarship for a reason. They were good, and they're used to playing a lot of minutes. Now they get to college, and they can get comfortable not playing if you're not careful. They can remove themselves from the situation mentally and just say, well, I'm not playing anyway. And what happens in that situation is they're, then they're not ready when the opportunity comes. I try to confront them and get it out in the open. Listen, you're not playing. Okay, you got you, you to make me play. You know, you you got to put me in a position where I can trust having you out there. And... um you know, once I think that we do that, um, they start to understand. And then I think the other thing is when a guy gets thrown into a game out of nowhere, they know, well, that could happen to me. So I try to challenge them as much as I can because, look, the other team's going to challenge us. The other team's going to challenge guys individually. They're going to challenge our team. But I try to challenge them, and I let them know in front of everybody. You know, you've got to put, you've got to put confidence in the coaches. And players think the other way. The coach puts confidence in me. But you have to put confidence in the coach in, in such a way that he can trust having you in the game. And, you know, I hey, think man. sometimes too often players start to think, well, he's not playing. I'm waiting for him to give me some playing time as opposed to I'm going to earn it and make him play me. And then when you when you think of it the right way, you can only get better even if you're not playing a lot of minutes. You got that right, Coach. Uh, now, Coach, one of the things that – Go ahead. I don't want I don't want the players to sit back and we just nobody says anything. This guy's not playing. We all know he's listen, if the guy is not playing, let's 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 talk about it every day. I, I tell them it's okay for you to be angry that you're not playing. I would nobody no coach wants a guy who just doesn't want to play. So 
So we can, let's get everything out in the open. You're not playing. You want more playing time now. Let's let's see what we're going to do about that, and that can only help our team. Yeah, you got there right. Yeah, what I was going to get into, Coach, was you know one way to, to instill confidence, as you said, in the coaching staff is to to start doing the things that you need to do on floor, and then stuff in that box score with some stats. Now, Jr. and I like to look at stats on these teams, uh, especially with the guys like yourself we're going to have on the air. And one of the things things that jumped out to us was your balance scoring and your rebounding kind of jumped out at us. So, it, are those things that um, you guys tried to? identify as a staff not only those two items but just statistically where you see weaknesses or strengths identify them bring them to the attention of the team and work on those things uh, as you move through the season we're working on it daily i think our the balance scoring part the better we pass the basketball um, the more guys are in position to score and the better our team is and um, on the rebounding thing we're looking at possessions really Um, so we're looking at rebounds turnovers together and the hope is that we can win both those categories. So um, it's really important that we um, that we work on them every day, and especially understand the importance of them, and especially understand the the, the importance to have extreme desire in both those areas. I hear that, coach. Now, coach, you know, down here in the South, they don't really know about the Metro Atlantic, Atlantic Metro Atlantic Atlantic Conference like like I do. So for the mm-hmm. our listeners down here in the South and outside of the South who listen to the show, could you just talk about the quality of coaching, the quality of teams that is in the MAAC, so people can kind of know what guys are and what you're all about up there, man? Well, you know, it is a great conference. It's um, a lot of very good programs, established programs, tradition-rich programs. Um, you know, the northern part of it is, is us in Niagara University. Um, uh, you know, that's sort of the western swing of, of the state. And um, and as you go east, you know, you're, you're looking at schools like Siena, uh, and you get to uh, Iona and Manhattan, and then um, you get to New Jersey part, you got St. Peter's and Ryder and Monmouth. Um, uh, in Connecticut, you got Fairfield and, and Quinnipiac. Um, uh, and then you got Marist also. You know, so uh, I'm probably leaving somebody off, um, but it, it's it's pretty well balanced uh, conference. Quinnipiac, uh, I probably may have mentioned them. Um, so it's a, it's a it's it's a pretty well balanced conference with a lot of challenges in it. There's no real nights off where you can say, well, even if a team is struggling from a, from a standpoint of wins and losses, if you look at any of the teams in our league that 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 may look like they're struggling you look at the scores of the game you'll say they played a lot of close games and um and that's because they're very well coached so um it's a league that uh, the, the tempo of the games are typically really fast um and and it's a league where um the, the, you you a lot of times you'll have four guys on the court and 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 uh you see a lot of transition basketball and a lot of three-point shooting now, Coach, uh, up there in Buffalo, the Bills made the playoffs this year. So what was it like when that went down in the city? Because I know the only team that gets more, uh, you know, support and viewership than the Griffs is the Buffalo Bills. So what happened with the Bills in the playoff run this year? We talked to a longtime Bills fan. Um, uh, it, was, it was great to see that. We actually played earlier that day, I believe. Uh, uh, I think that was a Sunday May have been we played Iona, and uh, and then uh, the Bills played, and then in Buffalo we had to wait on the outcome of the Cincinnati Bengals game 
at Baltimore, at the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, we needed Cincinnati to win on the road to, to end the 17-year drought. Um, the city gets really excited about the Buffalo Bills, and this was a surprise because prior to the season, people were talking about, well, maybe they need to tank and get, and get a higher draft pick. Um, but Sean McDermott and his staff and, and, and the front office did a heck of a job um, to pull things together as fast as they did. I mean, it's really unbelievable uh, to, to see that happen. And then the players did a great job staying together and sticking together and uh, putting themselves in a position even um, to make the playoffs. So um, because they did this while um, – Taking uh, money off of the salary cap, so they traded away some big salaries and um, acquiring some draft picks, and um, to do that and make the playoffs is very, very rare. So the city was really excited. It was New Year's Eve, um, so there were already a lot of people that were in a partying mood, and um, they came back because they played at Miami. And when they got back uh, um, that evening, it was you know a couple thousand people waiting for them at the airport. So it, it is a an exciting uh, time to see the the, um, the team moving in the direction they're moving in. Now, Coach, my uh, I'm from Cleveland, okay? So you had mentioned tanking. Okay. That's my team's default setting, so we don't actually have to try <laughs> to tank at all. We just show up, and then we instantly get, you know, top doing in the draft. So, um, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out to you. Um, well, you, you know. You, well, you know what? I mean, I think, again, people sometimes go to where they're comfortable, and I know a lot of Bills fans, typically of late, have been getting really, really excited about the draft. You know, when the, when we get closer to the draft, it's who we're going to draft and this and that because um, we've been out of, this, out of this for a while. In fact, we have a young man on our staff um, who's 24 years old, so he doesn't remember uh, the Bills going to four straight Super Bowls. Doesn't remember the excitement he was he was clamoring for. You know, he's in Buffalo, and you know, he was just man. If we could ever just get to the playoffs and. So I felt sorry. I felt bad for him because being a lifelong Bills fan, and I, I can and I go back to when they drafted O.J. Simpson, but certainly when they when they got to oh, four wow. straight, yeah, yeah, certainly when they got to four straight Super Bowls, um, I you know I was here and it was an exciting time, and uh, the city was really really excited. So um, yeah, I was happy for the younger Buffalo Bills fans to be able to feel like their team uh, at a heightened level of relevance. I hear coach and coach. I ask you, bro, what is my man Eddie Shannon too up there with you? I know he's up there with you. you, you what's he goes? What's he up there with you? Oh, Eddie's doing a great job for us uh, in a lot of areas, recruiting. Uh, but he's also really helped our team, in both both from the standpoint of the individual players on the team, as well as um, um, helping our team collectively, and typically from from a defensive standpoint, uh, keeping them locked in, and they understand uh, that he's a genuine person. He's a very humble person. He's an extremely knowledgeable person uh, who's played the game at a really high level. So he has really, really helped that program. Now, folks, look at a team from Warner Robins, Georgia, down a little bit down the road from here in Atlanta, and they got from Anderson, Alabama, which is out out from here. So, will Atlanta Bay Area, you still kind of tap into from being in Chattanooga? You'll still tap into the get guys that's down here wants to come up there and play, play guys? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, um, we will definitely – uh, we have a young man who signed already. Uh, will be a freshman with us next year, Merv James, and um, uh, it's 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 a rich area in talent, and um, we will absolutely continue to recruit Atlanta. 
But so I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you and the Kanishas. I definitely look at your scores all the time. Make sure you look at the scores. I definitely want to have you on. I know you're out on a good running streak. Let me get Coach on right now. Give some more of that good show karma for him, man. Keep on getting this streak going here. So I, I'm happy for you, man, Coach. I really am. Well, well I, I really appreciate you guys uh, checking on us and, and uh, thinking about us and exposing our program. Anytime, Coach. Hey, good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you real soon, hey, man. Take care. All right, Reggie Whitson here in the box. So, people, can this is Golden Griffs. Check them out, people. Three. 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 Fantasy football season is fast approaching, and if you're looking for an edge this season, you need to contact the guys at Draft Day Consultants. The concept is a simple one. Draft Day Consultants takes your requests and connects you with one of their trusted analysts, who then guide you through your draft, whether you just need a sounding board on decisions, or if you need them to conduct your entire draft. Draft Day Consultants has you covered. Every one of their consultants has a proven track record of success, and have conducted hundreds, even thousands of mock drafts. Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers. Yeah, yeah, it's your man, JC, the host with the most, baby. And it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Folks, it's time for your AFC preview here on the Boss Man Show. Uh, Jared and John here bringing it down for you. And we got a the game is coming up, AFC Championship Sunday. Here we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, surprisingly, going up against the New England Patriots in uh, what could be called a surprise game coming up here, John. And, uh, I'm hoping personally the Jaguars win, being the Florida man that I am. You know, Jacksonville is not really part of the Florida, if you ask me. I call that <laughs> South Georgia extended. That's just my personal belief that that's not really Florida. But <laughs> but since 
allegedly by the drawing of the map there in Florida. I will claim it for this. So Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars uh, doing their thing. I know a couple guys on their team, Jalen Ramsey, Barry Church, Mercedes Lewis. So I have some connections there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're playing New England Patriots with Tennessee Titans, who I know pretty pretty well. Mike Malarkey, Harry Douglas, Eric Weems. Terry McCormick, Greg Arias, a lot of my Jim White, a lot of guys I know for the Titans. So it's like they beat my, my buddy, got my man Mike Malarkey fired pretty much. They fired Mike Malarkey, but they're blown out of them. Uh, John, but I do feel like this. Tom Coughlin has been Tom Brady's kryptonite, John, uh, over the years for them being big games. Uh, even the game they won against the Giants their first championship year, they beat, they played in the championship game. Remember, that last week of the season, the Giants played them so close and they got confidence from that game and beat them in the Super Bowl in Arizona. When Plexico Burris kicks for Plexico shot himself like a fool. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, my man went to jail for shooting, shooting himself. Himself, people. Himself. But I digress. So, Jacksonville has a formula, if you ask me, John. They have speed, young speed. They have... They can rush with four. They really don't blitz. Their front four can get to Tom Brady. And they run those TN stunts and those, those inside games to affect the quarterback with only four. They don't have to ask somebody extra. And on, on, I don't have A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey out there covering guys like crazy. And their safeties are hawking in the middle of the field as well. And their linebackers can, can run with, with tight ends and, and recitals receivers. So, looking defensively, John, my question is this. Do you, as a Jaguars, put Ramsey on Gronkowski? You bracket him with a safety and a linebacker, or do you play him with you know another linebacker? Or how how you mix up the coverage on Gronkowski? Do you just zone him up a little bit, give him different looks? So, my, the key to me in the matchup is going to be is how do the Jaguars play Rive Gronkowski? Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, and I think that's something that they're going to have. They're probably going to have to use a combination of all the the um, defensive schemes that you just laid out, and they're going to have to kind of see what uh, way the Patriots are deploying Gronkowski in order to kind of figure out what's the best method for them to to defend it. You know, are they running him on you know go routes? Are they running him across the middle? Are they running him on curls underneath? You know, how, how are they trying to free him up so that they can then adjust and combat that um defensively so that's going to be a part of the cat and mouse that goes on in any nfl game but obviously on the big stage here in the afc championship game now um to your point about <clears throat> jacksonville versus new england I'm, i would want to see jacksonville win this game just because i'm a, a huge um, proponent of you know new blood and and you know i don't disparage the patriots because they win so much they have a great program there great franchise and they earn it. They do it. They do it the right way. They win. They play good, tough football. They win in all kinds of different ways. If somebody gets hurt, somebody steps up, or they or they change their philosophy on the run to make it work. So uh, I don't have anything negative necessarily to say about the Patriots and their successful run uh, from that standpoint. But I do like to see fresh blood, and I would love it to see if Jacksonville, you know, could get into the Super Bowl. I think it would be great not only for the the franchise, but I think it would be good for the NFL too. Now, Vegas has the Patriots. Uh, winning this game by nine, they're favored by nine points. I don't necessarily see it, Jr. being uh, you know a nine ten point victory for New England if they do in fact win. I, I mean, Jacksonville 
is really no slouch in scoring. They're fifth in the league. They scored the fifth most points in the league. And defensively, they've allowed the second fewest. So, you know, that's a pretty good combination when you're when you're looking at an AFC championship game scenario against a team like New England who can score, you got to have a defense to keep them out of the end zone. Well, they've given up the second fewest points. And if you do in fact start giving up points, you have to have an offense that can put points on the board while they've scored the fifth most. So it kind of lines up, you know, fairly well for Jacksonville. As you mentioned, they've got the Coughlin factor and and that's something that could help as well. Um, They're going to be facing an uphill battle. Obviously the Patriots are, you know, tried, tried and true tested, you know, battle tested in these situations the jaguars are not so we'll see how it shakes out the jaguars they've been winning games uh tough games all year they've played a lot of close games so i if it were me um putting money down on this game i I would bet against vegas and i'd take the jaguars and the points and and see how it shakes out i mean that's um that's the way i look at it from a a betting perspective do i think jacksonville is going to win probably you know I'd say 60-40 that they that they are able to pull this out. I think they're probably on the 40% side there. But as the game goes on, JR, you never know what can happen when once these games start. And, you know, I'm not sure where you come out on it, but I think New England probably wins this game. But my heart's probably, uh, as, a, as a fan of the NFL and, and looking on, I would probably prefer if Jacksonville, Jacksonville were able to take down, you know, the mighty, mighty Patriots. Yeah, I would prefer Jacksonville win. Cause I'm not a fan of Tom Brady, and you know, you know who are the biggest Patriots fan who we who we have beef with uh, every now and again, my uncle Dave. Yeah, well, <laughs> I listen. Uncle Dave's already got us set up to run some laps for what we've already we've already maligned his team in his eyes. So, you know, we're we're already running laps for that. So, anytime I get to go go against Uncle Dave and Uncle Dave's loud, brash Boston ways. I want to do that, and I hope that the Florida man in me and the Florida men going up to, to New England can get the job done. Having been played in cold weather in Pittsburgh, maybe you'll acclimate to it and get the job done. But I think if we get Brady off the spot, find a way to neutralize Robert Gronkowski, uh, whether it be outside or inside, because I think if you put him outside, you can still put him with Boyer or Ramsey inside. You can use the linebackers and the safeties or a slot guy to bracket him. So I feel like if you Jacksonville has the talent to do it, you have to have the roster and depth to do that. And I think Jacksonville has that that depth to do that. So I feel like they can get the job done, like you said. Quarterback wise, break border yeah. scares me. That's uh, what I was just gonna throw out there. Like that's the one thing we didn't talk about. He, if he goes sideways, Jr. That could I mean yeah. it could it could definitely be a, a double digit blowout. Yes. Yeah, so Leonard Fournette have your ankles ready. Uh, T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory have ankles ready, brothers. And Blake Bortles don't make any mistakes because if you do make a mistake, I will clown you next week on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Just ask Mustard Teeth LeVar Ball how he gets clowned every week here on the show. There you you go. (laughs) You know, Blake Bortles is a young dude. He's going bald fast. He took away his hat. He's so bald. He's already going bald, man. I, I always wondered that sidebar. I've always wondered that about quarterbacks, like even football players in general, you know, a lot of them wear their hair short. So you don't really know, but you know, like you, you have your helmet on for like, you know, so many hours, so many hours in practice on the field and blah, blah, blah. How do you, how some of these guys have like great hair, man. Like the, you know, 
kind of jealous. Like, what's up with that? You know? Exactly. I, I don't know because I know I'm starting to thin. I've noticed my hair is trying to thin out myself, and I'm just 30 years old. I'm, I've Bro. noticed it myself that my hair is thinning out, so Dude, it's, it's not good. My 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 hair i'm like in lebron territory bro my hair is running away from my face hardcore bro so are you are you jealous of, of, of hair like lebron is with d wade's hair like you know how he was jealous of d wade's hair <laughs> <laughs> his luscious locks d wade he called it oh that was great that was great no nah, man but you know you got those kids especially girls man they make you lose a few they make you lose a few that's for sure i hear that well folks afc preview on the boss man show check in with next week see how we did we we hope we hope jacksonville most likely to be new england mark it down hopefully go jags florida men hashtag florida man florida iguanas for life baby Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathletics.com consulting.com once again www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24 or you can call me at 404-542-607 once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. seen the end of the game in my life. I enjoyed the celebration because, man, it was a monster up there, man. I love that. Uh, they're playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, who I was at that game, John, and let's uh, say that, that that was a bad day for me all the way around. It was a bad day for me. And I saw the Falcons lose. I was with the Bird Lady herself. She was disappointed. The trip was not fun back. But, uh, 
thing with Jay Cena made it worthwhile, and the Flea fans gave us a hard time. Jay Cena's like, man, look, man, look, ain't my fault you ain't won no titles, man. I'm a cowboy. Yeah. Memphis. Yeah. He doing the Eagle fans, John. Seriously. Well, I, I, I don't blame him, and I don't expect anything less from JC. <laughs> he was like, your boss, uh, Carolyn, it's awful cold out here. I, I, don't, I don't get this. My, my, my man, we're in Pennsylvania, my man. We're in Pennsylvania. It's not warm here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you should have known. You should have known. <laughs> exactly. So, I'm for the spirit of the Eagles game. That's game right here, brother. Uh, so, the Vikings, man, I... I'm going to be honest with you. The Vikings may become the first team ever to host Super Bowl in their home stadium ever. And it makes me think that Destiny's on their side, John, because that play, let's somebody play for a second. That play, that's, that's the Saints execute the play properly, John, from my football days. That's called cover two containers when we playing. And contains means keep him to the sideline. Now, if they if you catch the ball and he gets out of bounds, they should let it happen. But fine, whatever. Give us just give us a chance, you know. But this play was called cover to contain. They asked him to play it right, and that's kind of what they, they they run what you call a, a John's call search route. You have a clear out to the flat. You have a go that's clear out to safety. Then you have a a dig a, a, a out a kind of corner route underneath it. That's what he digs on the corner. It's called a circus route, John. So they did that, and it worked against the cover two contain defense was not played right. So for me, so that plus Stephon Diggs, Case Keenum got got off that play. Case Keenum got paid. Uh, Patrick at the job with the Giants off that, and the Vikings may confirm their team destiny because their defense is top notch. That can win in spite of Case Kim struggles. They can make a play. They have the cover guys. They have the guys in the linebacker level. They can rush the passer with four men. Along with Mike Zimmer's exotic double leg blitzes, overload blitzes, he runs off the corners. It's like he uses slot blitzes off the corner as well. So, John, defensively, Mike Zimmer, defensively, me in my mind, also that play that they won, man. The Vikings got, got this, man. But talk about that play a little bit. We saw John with Stephon Diggs. Well, you know, you nailed it as far as the, the execution is concerned and, and what was called the defense and the offensive play. But the, the uh, defensive back, and then Jar, his name is escaping me at the moment. But Marcus Williams. Williams, correct. Thank you. It, it He just basically forgot the, the number one rule of situational football, and that is, you know, know where you're at on the field, know what the down and distance are and the time on the clock. And he didn't – he just – didn't keep the guy in front of him. John, the main word, contain. Contain. Cover right. to contain, well, which the, means keep to the sidelines. He went for the tackle. Only the sidelines. He went for the tackle, and he didn't need to. All he had to do was, if, if you got beat on the route, let him catch the ball, let him come down, wrap him up, and stop the pro, the progress of the football down the field. That's all you had to do. But he, he dove in to make a tackle, and he didn't need to. What he needed to do was stay on his feet. And if he got beat by staying on his feet, well, at least you had a chance. Once you dive on the ground, you're done, man. Diggs was gone. There was nobody behind him to help. As you said, the safety got drawn away, and that was that. So from from the execution offensively, it was fantastic. Defensively, very poor. And, I, I mean, that's going to haunt him all through the offseason. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can recover. You know, those guys have short memories. But, um, you know, switching it over to, to this week now, 
the the Vikings aren't really all that much different from the Jaguars in the sense that they have kind of a game manager under center. Uh, they've got a, a stout defense, and from that perspective, you're, you're kind of seeing wins in the same manner. So I think that um, you know, obviously, Vegas favors um, the Vikings here by three points on the road. Typically, the home team gets three. So they, they actually, in truth, are saying that the, the Vikings are good by six. Um, but being on the road, they're taking three of those points away. So they like the Vikings a little more than the line shows. Looking at the flip side of the ball, the Eagles have a pretty solid pass rush. I mean, it's it's no no slouch there. So um, they could, could, could create some issues for Keenum and the Vikings. I think the game stays close. I pr- personally from a betting standpoint would take uh, the Vikings to cover. I think the Vikings are going to win this game. Some of that is how that final play uh, is going to carry them into this week. I mean, that's a high energy play and that can catapult them not only through the AFC championship game, but into the Super Bowl. And personally, I I would like to see a Minnesota Jacksonville Jaguar uh, Super Bowl. I think that would be a great matchup. And I think that it would be something that would be good for the league. Now, even if, um, you know, it it goes a different way, it's still going to be a great game. Obviously, a lot of caliber players out there, high caliber players, quality teams left in the mix. I don't think personally that the Eagles can overcome having Foles under center. I I think that the Vikings are probably a little more stable with Keenum and, you know, their defense than the Eagles are with Foles and their defensive crew. So I think that the Vikings can create a little bit more havoc and cause force some more errors on Foles um, and, and kind of help themselves uh, in a road matchup. But, you know, it, it's tough playing on the road. It's definitely tough playing in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, it's going to be another frigid day out there. Now, obviously, the Vikings are, are used to playing in those conditions. But still, you know, anything can happen. Uh, when it comes to you know championship game football, but I really think the Vikings are probably uh, the team that I would take in this game, and I would take the uh, I would take them to cover if I were a betting man. And uh, yes, I, yeah, I got with you, John. I, I want to bring this play to you guys one more time. It's called Circus Go. What that means is, guys, that the wide receiver, the X receiver on the left is going to run a go route down. He's going to run a nine route down the field to clear it out. The running back is going to run like a a, a mid check down because I'll cut a lot of linebackers. Then on like the circus route on the right side is going to be inside. It's going to be a go. It's going to be a short corner route or a flat route. And Diggs ran that 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 interior or that mid grade or moderate corner route, which opened up in that when you play cover two contain. To beat to properly do that, you should have played. Cover three contain, which means you rush three and you drop five in the in, in the intermediate zone, and you have three in the deep zone. That that's what kills circus go. So I want to show you that kind of football one on one with you, uh, you guys about that. So always when you, when you watch the games, I know some of you had not played football, might not be deep into it, but watch the plays, watch the routes, watch the defenses. Now. For you guys who are mad in your heads, like to play Madden a lot, just look at the playbook in Madden sometimes. So the same plays you see on Madden, they play teams running the league for real. I mean, because football is football. There's, there's very few plays that has not been tried before that we know about the football. 
pretty most of them pretty much have been tried. Now, John, and this is what I would do if I was Stephon Diggs. If I was gonna be caught in bounds, I would have semi fumbled the ball so it can go out of bounds, stop, stop, stop the clock that way. Because there's no rules that you can't fumble the ball out of bounds and it makes the clock run run off. That's a trick I would have done to save the clock if I got hit in bounds. Yeah, I'd lose the ball to bounds. Right, and, sure and that's clock. that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like situational football. You you at the professional level, especially, like you've got to, you really have to be aware of everything that's going on around you. And it's not enough to just be responsible for your assignment in those situations. Now, you know, that, that goes without saying you've got to be responsible for your assignment, but you've also got to be able to look beyond that and say, what is um, coming? What, what can happen? And what is my you know plan if X, Y, and Z goes down? If I get beat on this way, how should I react to, to mitigate the damage to my team? You know, and then that's, I think where the, the big mistake was made there, obviously, the, you know, you just, you got to stay on your feet. You can't keep the guy in bounds if you're on the ground, you know, you, exactly. you, you're really limited in your options there. And, you know, whether or not there was supposed to be somebody behind him, I, I don't think so. I think just like you said, the, no, he was last on the fence. He was the, he right. was the, the, he was the cover too. He was, he was the, he was the, 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 the half side, the right side safety. Right. And so but that's why I say you should have played, cover three contained with a three-man rush. We have five guys in the intermediate zone, three guys in the deep zone. Right. That, 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 that can't happen. Well, and, the, and, the, and that, like you said, that was, was, that was going to be more than likely the last or second last play of the game, depending on what happened, you know, if he were able to get out of bounds or not, and, you know, and didn't score. Because, John, I'm going to tell you, I, when I saw them play, play, a, play a, a two-shell, and you have, you have a bunch sell on the right-hand side, I said, well, they're about, they about to run circus. That's what I said to myself. They they ran, circus, they ran. What I thought they would run, circus go, and it worked out for them, and they won the game on it. I've never seen the circus go intermediate corner beat somebody for a touchdown in my life. I've seen the go route on, on, on the backside do it, or the go route inside do it, but never the intermediate post do it. Well, yeah, and, and corner. generally speaking, from where they were at on the field, I mean, they, they had to cross the you would have, you would it was more likely that they were going to chuck a ball into the end zone for a score rather than underneath and then have it run in for a score. The, the likelihood of the latter happening is it was very, very low, and then it happened. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there was a mistake made there, but still, um, like, you know, like we talked about it previously in the segment, Jay, that, that's the type of play that can propel you to a win yes. not only the following week but the week after like that that's the type of stuff that a team can really rally around it and build off of in the, in a postseason setting and folks that's been your nfc championship preview here on the boss man show